0: Welcome to The Daily Bite, with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we're going to read from Ezekiel chapter 24, and we begin. In the ninth year, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, the word of Yahweh came to me. Son of man, write down the name of this day, this very day. The king of Babylon has laid siege to Jerusalem this very day. And utter a parable to the rebellious house, and say to them, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, set on the pot, set it on, pour in water also, put in it the pieces of meat, all the good pieces, the thigh and the shoulder, fill it with choice bones, take the choicest one of the flock, pile the logs under it, boil it well, seethe also its bones in it. Therefore thus says the Lord Yahweh, woe to the bloody city, to the pot whose corrosion is in it, and whose corrosion has not gone out of it, Take out of it piece after piece without making any choice. For the blood she has shed is in her midst, she put it on the bare rock. She did not pour it out on the ground to cover it with dust. To rouse my wrath, to take vengeance, I have set on the bare rock the blood she has shed, that it may not be covered. Therefore thus says the Lord Yahweh, Woe to the bloody city! I also will make the pile great." Heap on the logs, kindle the fire, boil the meat well, mix in the spices, and let the bones be burned up. Then set it empty upon the coals, that it may become hot, and its copper may burn, that its uncleanness may be melted in it, its corrosion consumed. She has wearied herself with toil, its abundant corrosion does not go out of it. Into the fire with its corrosion, on account of your unclean lewdness, because I would have cleansed you, And you were not cleansed from your uncleanness. You shall not be cleansed any more till I have satisfied my fury upon you. I am Yahweh. I have spoken. It shall come to pass. I will do it. I will not go back. I will not spare. I will not relent. According to your ways and your deeds, you will be judged, declares the Lord Yahweh. The word of Yahweh came to me, son of man, behold, I am about to take the delight of your eyes away from you at a stroke, yet you shall not mourn or weep, nor shall your tears run down. Sigh, but not aloud. Make no mourning for the dead. Bind on your turban and put your shoes on your feet. Do not cover your lips, nor eat the bread of men. So I spoke to the people in the morning, and at evening my wife died, and on the next morning I did as I was commanded. And the people said to me, Will you not tell us what these things mean for us, that you are acting thus? Then I said to them, The word of of Yahweh came to me, Say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Behold, I will profane my sanctuary, the pride of your power, the delight of your eyes, and the yearning of your soul, and your sons and your daughters whom you left behind shall fall by the sword. And you shall do as I have done. You shall not cover your lips nor eat the bread of men. Your turbans shall be on your heads and your shoes on your feet. You shall not mourn or weep, but you shall rot away in your iniquities and groan to one another. Thus shall Ezekiel be to you a sign according to all that he has done you shall do. When this comes, then you will know that I am Yahweh, the Lord Yahweh. As for you, son of man, surely on the day when I take from them their stronghold, their joy and glory, the delight of their eyes and their souls' desire, and also their sons and daughters, on that day a fugitive will come to you to report to you the news. On that day your mouth will be opened to the fugitive, and you will speak and be no longer mute. So you will be assigned to them, and they will know that I am Yahweh. This is the word of the Lord. This is the final chapter of God's judgment against Jerusalem. Uh, chapters 1 through 24 really form that pattern, and we're going to then move into um, tomorrow a section on God's judgment against other nations. So Ezekiel not just prophesying against Jerusalem during his his time as a prophet of the Lord. But let's finish off this judgment of Jerusalem. So we have the ninth year, 10th month, 10th day. Uh, The study Bible, Lutheran study Bible, suggests that that makes it January the 15th, the year 588 BC. If that's true, then Jerusalem is actually already under siege. Nebuchadnezzar comes up against them in 589, um, and he besieges them until 587, when he finally, you know, has the victory that day. Um. The words of the Lord here, the king of Babylon has laid siege to Jerusalem this very day. They can be taken as like the siege started this day, or they could also be read backwards um, in the sense of, you know, just like he laid siege to it yesterday, he's laying siege to it again today. He continues to lay his siege against it. So I don't know that we have to argue with the study Bible's date here um, too much. Uh, just know that we are in that time. The judgment that we have been reading about for the last 20-some chapters, it's here. Babylon has come against Jerusalem to destroy it. And so here's the parable Ezekiel is to share with them. And it's essentially like you're cooking a meal, right? You, you set your pot over fire, or we'd say set it on the stove, and you put your meat in it, you put your bones in it to make a good meal. Um, stew or whatever you're making. So the Israelites are the meat. They are the meat. Jerusalem the pot. We've had that reference in the book before. They're going to be consumed. Take the choicest one of the flock, so that's a reference to even the elite of them. Like, this isn't just going to befall the the poor. This is going to be everybody. Babylon's coming for all of you because you are all corroded. Your corrosion has not gone out. So, they will take out piece after piece without making any choice. So, there's not going to be favoritism when Assyri- sorry Babylon, when Nebuchadnezzar comes and he finally attacks inside the city. He's not going to say, Oh, you're wealthy. I'll let you live. Not going to happen. He's going to, to kill whom he pleases because she has shed blood. So, again, we see the reminder. Um, and The idolatry is not focused on in this chapter, as it was yesterday, but instead the violence of God's people. So uh, the reference in verse 7 that she put it on the bare rock, the blood, instead of pouring it out on the ground and covering it, is that they were so entrenched in their, their bloodshed, their sin, that they didn't even bother to cover it up. They weren't even trying to hide it. They murdered in plain daylight. They killed who they wanted. And again, I I encourage you to consider, or I urge you to consider, our culture is like this as well. Rousing my wrath, taking vengeance, I have set on the bare rock the blood she has shed. So the Lord is taking his vengeance against the sins of this people. They've earned it. They've deserved it. He is going to also make the pile great, just as they had made a great pile of death on their own they're going to be destroyed. Once empty, even the copper of the pot is burned. So that's back to the parable. That's a reference to Jerusalem. So the Babylonians will take care of the people, and they're also going to raise Jerusalem to the ground. R-A-Z-E, raise. They're going to destroy it. And they do. And they melt down parts of the temple. Uh, They take the gold back to Babylon, Why wouldn't you if you were conquering a city that had a giant golden building in it? Verse 12, into the fire with its corrosion. This is one where you might want to ask your children, it's good to talk about the judgment of God, um, the impending judgment of God, even on creation now. Uh, What does it mean when God is talking about judgment if he says he's going to cast something into the fire? That's a reference to hell. And as Christians, we do need to talk about how it is real, was prepared for, created for, the devil and his angels. Unfortunately, those who choose to rebel against the Lord and remain in that rebellion, they also will end up there, cast into the fire. The New Testament describes it as the lake of burning fire and sulfur. So God says in verse 13, I would have cleansed you. And that's the the flip side to that and a reminder to our families of, of the benefit of what the Lord would do um, he would forgive and he has forgiven so you can talk about how he has forgiven us through the blood of his own son talking about blood being poured out right um, the violence is she shed blood Jerusalem does it again it's in Jerusalem that we're talking about and it's in Jerusalem Jesus blood is going to be shed for us too verse 14 such strong language um, all the eyes that Yahweh speaks and how he's not going to relent he's not going to go back very strong language alright then we get another action prophecy from Ezekiel this is not the first one Um, so what is it going to be we start with that first paragraph at verse 15 there I'm about to take the delight of your eyes away from you at a stroke the delight of Ezekiel's eyes is a reference to his bride his wife the Lord is going to take his wife This is, well, a couple of things to say on that. First, Ezekiel's not heartless, right? It can be hard for us to see Ezekiel's personal character as we move through this book because he's just doing what God gave him to do. He's being a faithful prophet. If you are a prophet of God, you speak what God tells you to speak. So it's not that Ezekiel is is this angry man all the time. He's speaking God's judgment because God has told him to. He's doing his job. Um, You know what happened to Jonah, right? When Jonah refused to speak God's judgment, which was actually a call to repentance, by the way. So, that's one thing. The other note, Ezekiel and his wife both are sinners, just like we are. And even one sin brings death. We all deserve death. It is God's place, it is his right place, to judge sinners. Sinners. He could put an end to my life at any time, on any day, as he pleases, because I've earned it. Like, I don't deserve to live. I don't deserve to have a wife or children. I don't deserve to have a nice house or live in a peaceful community. I don't deserve anything. It's contrary to the language we like to use in America, right? I deserve this. You hear it all the time. I don't deserve anything. Next time you hear yourself saying, I deserve something, tell yourself that. <laughs> Remind yourself that you don't deserve it. Everything we have is a gift from God. And so the Lord has the right, he has the authority to do this, and it's not wrong. And he's now instructing Ezekiel, essentially, to have a God-like, uh, Job-like response. Remember Job, when his uh, family was struck down and all his wealth was taken away from him, Job's response was, You know, essentially, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. That's older language, but you know what I mean. Ezekiel is to see it that way. He had years to spend with his bride, and now that time has been brought to an end. And he is commanded not to weep. That's going to be the key here, because that's the prophecy part of this. Why doesn't he weep? Well, that comes in verse 19. Will you? So the people, seeing him not weeping over the death of his wife, will you not tell us what these things mean for us? How self-centered are they? Here, your your priest, your prophet, a man that you have come to respect greatly, and you know, speaks the word of the Lord to you. He's lost his wife, and all you can think about is yourself. I mean, for an equivalent, think of a pastor that you have had in your life that you love. If his wife died, and your your response to him the next day was just going to be something like, "Okay, what what are you gonna, what are you gonna do for my family today?" Yikes! But that's how they respond. Uh, so this is an action prophecy. Uh, you can talk to your kids about what other action prophecies we've had, just as a review. So you've got the. Uh, chapters really the end of three through the beginning of five where he builds the model city of Jerusalem, under siege he lays on his side he cooks his food over cow dung he cuts his beard and casts part of it into the fire so forth um, all of that you've got him doing the whole baggage thing um, in Exodus, sorry Ezekiel chapter twelve and now we've got this one here and I feel like I'm missing one but it gives you some illustrations. Uh, to consider now what does God say about it Uh, this means that he is going to do this also to the people he's going to take away the delight of their eyes which is their pagan pride as they worship false idols in God's holy house so they are going to be like Ezekiel they are not going to end up mourning this which is an interesting thing Um, why won't they mourn Not answered here, but that's what the Lord says. Commands them not to mourn because this judgment is fully deserved. The last paragraph uh, notes that a fugitive, so somebody who's able, the Lord allows to escape, will come and report that the city has been destroyed. And on that day, Ezekiel's mouth will be opened, he will no longer be mute, and he will be able to tell the people. Which means for the second time in the book now, that God is going to temporarily strike Ezekiel with muteness so that he cannot speak. The other time was back again in the end of chapter 3 and into chapter 4. So you can talk again with your children. Who else does God mute in Scripture and why? Off the top of my head there, I'm aiming to point your children to the New Testament, to the birth of John the Baptist, as his father Zechariah had been a priest in the temple and visited by the angel, and that conversation there that strikes a mute for the next well, I guess nine months uh, until John is born and to be named, and then he's able to speak as the Lord commanded him to do, to name his son John.